The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I think I need today to be ailment day. What is today? It's Monday. It's reverse chronological lightning round. Normally I come into the week so fired up and filled with vim and vigor and piss and even a dash of vinegar. But not this time. I got ailments, man. My neck, my back, all the things. I'm hurting, man. I'm hurting. Not sick yet, at least. So I guess there's that uh, ever so slight win. I don't know. I'm beat up. Still, a lot of fun stuff to go over. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. This, of course, is your daily fix on the Fantasy NBA to, uh, landscape. I'm Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you want to find me on Twitter, the easiest thing to do is just to Google Dan from Hoopball. I would love to hear from you. Ask me questions. I take them all the time. Try to get back to everybody within 24 hours, which I think is pretty freaking good considering I get like 60 to 100 questions a day most days, uh, so really doing my best there. But hit me up. If I can't get it, I'll point you in the direction of somebody who can. One of our other amazing pros at Hoopball that you've been hearing on this podcast lately, like the great Josh Millman, who will be back with us for a little rock, paper, scissor tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk to Brandon Marcus, get back to our typical buy low, sell high after a little foray into injury buy lows and sell highs. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have the captain on this week. If not this week, it'll certainly be next week. Uh, we can keep talking about some sort of strategic deep dives. That's I have a lot of fun with. I have a lot of fun with all of these guys, but there's something really relaxing about diving into strategy in a way that it's sort of, I think, maybe built better for podcasts as opposed to what what happens to this show a lot of the time during the season is we just rip our way through a box score. And, and that's really what Monday shows are. We're doing that for the entire weekend. It's kind of fun to have one show a week, and obviously we'll still go over a, a set of boxes on that one, but... Just be able to kind of lean into the armchair uh, and and go over a deep strategy discussion. Hey, what do you do in this spot? Well, I'm sure we're going to disagree. So we'll uh, we'll get that going either this week or next week as well. But these are the guys I'll be pointing to. Uh, Alan Sroki, who does uh, some of our amazing work on the box score breakdown, will also be on the pod this week with us. Don't know exactly what day that'll be airing. I think it'll be Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, and that's what's coming up over the rest of this week. For you premium subscribers, we have our Monday weekly lineup show with the great Brandon Marcus. That's at uh, 11 o'clock today, Monday, Pacific time. So join us on that. Uh, if you don't have the premium membership, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespers. Maybe I'll craft you a specialty coupon or something. You can tell uh, the good folks back at Hoopball HQ that Dan sent you, and we'll get you a couple bucks off that thing. So uh, bug me. We'll get you on board. Uh, all those live shows are really uh, fantastic and worth it. Want to start the show today by once again reiterating we are filling vacancies now. I should say that we are taking contributors on the team coverage side. The great Mike Passador heading up Hoopball's largest new project. We uh, we got a lot of great responses to our sales inquiry. And by the way, if you haven't done that, you can still bug me. But if you want to cover a team either as a podcaster or as a beat writer, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris or send an email to Team Hoopball, Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. And we'll get you into the hopper. 
For those uninitiated, Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday is all of our Mondays. We tie the week previous, the weekend, to the beginning of this week. We tie Friday's show where we went through each of the 30 teams set to play over the weekend. And now we look at what just happened over the last two to three days. Look at each team's most recent basketball game and get your reset for the week coming up. And there was a lot of stuff this weekend. It was a busy one. So let's dive straight on into Sunday's card. Uh, six game on Sunday, so we'll knock out 12 teams that way, and then we'll just work our way backwards until we've touched on each of the 30 teams and what we need to know moving forward. We'll also give a quick rundown on the, uh, what is it, seven-game seven Monday slate coming up tonight and what we're looking for on those games as well. Orlando, New Orleans was the early one on Sunday. By the way, I love having games that start around noon Pacific time. Really gets the, ga- the day going the right way. I wish we had that every day. Won't happen, but I wish we did. Jonathan Isaac was fantastic in that game at New Orleans. And obviously, a lot of teams put up big numbers against the Pelicans, but I think there was a little bit more at play here. And what I mean by that is, number one, yeah, obviously, you know, you go against the... Brandon Ingram at power forward. If you're Jonathan Isaac, you're probably going to eat him up a little bit. Number two, Nick Vucevic came back for this game. Had 20-9, and nine, looked really good in 30 minutes. Didn't take him any time at all to get rolling off that ankle injury. That's pretty good for a first game back after, what did he miss, almost a month? Um, I think Jonathan Isaac just likes playing alongside Vooch better. I don't think he's alone. I mean, obviously, they're not going to score 130 against everybody. The Pelicans have a way of getting the pace up and the defense down both teams shot over 50 percent in this ball game and i doubt that that's what orlando had in mind coming into it but the 11 rebounds were great two steals a block better percentages all the way across the board i think he's just more comfortable when the offense is running through vooch as opposed to markel faults and that's not a knock on faults like i've said before i'm glad he's he's been more or less successful so far this year I just don't think that he has the chemistry with Isaac, and I don't think that Isaac sort of knows where to go when Fultz is penetrating and kicking as opposed to a Vooch offense, which is more pick and roll, and Isaac can go find his spots and attack the offensive glass and do stuff that way. So uh, hopefully this will be the start of something good. Obviously, competition is going to be somewhat dependent. DJ Augustine had a good ball game. He's actually been intermittently okay, especially if you're punting field goal percent. Uh, Terrence Ross, his role is going to diminish a bit now with Vooch back. Same with Evan Fournier. Uh, Aaron Gordon is in line to really turn into a pumpkin, and uh, a pumpkin, and hopefully Markel Fultz can kind of tread water a little bit. For the Pelicans, we got uh, Game Two of Derek Favors coming back, and I, you know, I frantically started him in this game. I said it on Twitter: you shouldn't start him with a 20-minute cap, but I'm going to because I needed rebounds and field goal percent. And he didn't get it, either of those things in this ball game. Uh, had trouble, not surprisingly, with Vooch working on his conditioning. And he'll be fine. I think, you know, if his minutes, they were 15 his first game back, or 20 in this one, if they continue to trend up towards 25 to, to 28, where they were those few games before he got hurt, obviously this is the time to start getting him back into lineup. I, th- I think if they say 22 to 25 minutes is the limit in the next one, you probably start him. Uh, I started him in this one, like I said, in kind of a desperation move, at the same time saying you guys probably should not, and uh, certainly I should have practiced what I preached. J.J. Redick was good. He's uh, bounced back after one clunky one in there. Drew Holiday was good. Uh, Brandon Ingram was good. 
Lonzo Ball was meh. And then Josh Hart, who's a guy that everybody's been saying is probably droppable, uh, had himself a really nice ball game. And, you know, again, some of that is the the very intense pace. But if you look at his last four ball games, he's played 30, 26, 31, and then 30 minutes. Steals are back up the last couple. The three-pointers are back up the last couple. Uh, of course, his games are going to fluctuate based on how he's shooting the ball. He went through a four-game shooting skid. As it turned out, the defensive stats kind of went away in those ball games as well. But if he's getting 26 to 30 minutes a game, he's going to get six rebounds, which is kind of amazing for a shooting guard, which is generally where he's playing. Uh, and he's also getting a bit more healthy every day. So I, I think he should remain on on rosters. People were asking me what to do with him on Twitter, and I, I said to hold, um, and, I, and I still believe that to be the case. I mean, this was a better ball game for him. They're not all going to be this good, but I do still think he's a hold. Put all that together, and you're looking at a team that could conceivably have six fantasy guys for the next little bit, and if Zion comes back, maybe somebody gets pushed out. Maybe that's when Josh Hart finishes getting enough minutes to be successful, but I think this team is going to be a six-fantasy-player team, which is pretty cool. That's why you love teams that play with a ton of pace. Charlotte at Indiana was a blowout. Uh, P.J. Washington broke his finger in their last ball game. He was expected to miss at least two weeks, I believe, was the initial ruling. I think they said five games, so about two weeks. Uh, old man Marv also still out. So Charlotte went huge and said, floor spacing, bleep you. Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo was the starting front court for the Charlotte Hornets. They actually both had pretty good fantasy games in a dismal losing effort. Uh, Devontae Graham had one of those shooting games that we talked about as a, a little bit of a worry. Obviously, you can't, I mean, you're not going to do anything with him. He's a he's a top 60, top 70 guy probably for the year. Um, but his field goal percent is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Terry Rozier also had a brutal shooting game. The Pacers play good defense. They play good defense. So you sort of, you sort of have to swallow it down. Miles Bridges still got a ton of minutes but didn't do anything with them. And that's kind of been the story for this team. No, I'm not picking up the centers. Uh, you can stream them if you want, but as soon as one of those power forwards comes back, the centers go back to splitting the minutes at the five, and the whole thing comes apart. Nice story in this ballgame. Miles Turner, who uh, only played 26 minutes, but it was a blowout. The only pacer to clear 30 minutes was Demonis Sabonis. Uh, but Turner took a team-leading 14 shots. That I liked a lot. I did not like that he missed his two free throws, but other than that, Really good ball game. 14 and 10, double double with two threes and five blocks. It won't take that many games of this ilk to push Miles Turner from around the 90 to 100 range to around the 50 range. So he remains, although tougher now after this ball game, a pretty good buy low. Uh, and then everything else you can kind of throw out a little bit because blowout stuff. Lakers beat Atlanta and set an NBA record in the process. I believe they're the first team ever. To make five or fewer three-pointers while attempting 30 or more and still win. Such is the grace of LeBron James, who was just a monster again. He's ageless. Anthony Davis was great. He turned an ankle in the fourth quarter and played through it. Don't be surprised if that thing swells up and AD has to miss one or two ball games. Do not be surprised. I'm telling you right now. Everybody's like, well, he made it through the ballgame. Those things tend to get worse overnight. The Lakers are in Indiana on Tuesday. That's a tough game. They are in Milwaukee on Thursday. And then they don't play uh, until Sunday. 
it might actually be in the Lakers' best interest to just sit AD. If you take two losses, you take two losses. It's not the end of the world. Maybe LeBron wills the team to one out of two in that stretch. You ain't beating the Bucks without Anthony Davis. You still you might not beat them even with him, uh, but you certainly aren't without. Pacers, that would be a good ball game. Uh, with him, I think you call it probably comes down to the wire. Maybe you give the Lakers a slight edge just because of the, the pedigree, but what does it matter at this point? Lakers are 24-3. and three. What do they have to prove? If ABD has to miss a few games and keep him healthy, you got to do it. Uh, but that's a different discussion altogether. Rajon Rondo, I think, was the only story on the Lakers' side. We heard that his minutes limit was being lifted up to around 25. He played 26 with 11.7 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals, and a 3-pointer. He's actually, and I've said this, I don't like his fantasy game. I, I don't trust him on a night-to-night basis. But he actually looks pretty spry this year. And... It's it's a sort of a risky thing to say, but I think you can probably consider adding him and see what happens, especially because, and we'll get to this in a minute, there I thought were a couple of drops that creeped into the discussion uh, later on as we go through this reverse chronological lightning round. One of them is actually in this ballgame. So call it speculative, and if they really do want to get him up closer to 30 minutes, even off the bench, I mean, 26 to me is probably the number that you're looking at for him. It's. I, I doubt he's going to score in double digits every ball game. I doubt he's going to take ten shots, especially when Kuz comes back. He'll he'll want to chew up a bunch of the opportunities, but he rebounds well for a point guard. He's going to get assists because he runs the offense when LeBron is not on the floor, and it seems like he likes to sort of open things up a little bit with that second unit, and that leads to a couple of steals. So there is something there, and he's actually shot the three ball relatively well this year so far. Uh, Atlanta side, obviously Trey Young, Jabari Parker, you just keep using Jabari at least until Collins is back, and then maybe even after, because poor Kevin Herter is just never going to get healthy. He re-injured his shoulder in this ballgame with about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and I'll say it right now, I was in on seeing how this Herter thing went as a stash. I think I'm out now. When I was talking about guys you can pick up and sort of take flyers on, Rondo being one of them, I think you could probably drop Kevin Herter for Rajon Rondo. Uh, as your, as the other side of that equation, okay. So to me, that's that's sort of where that creeps into the mix. I, I just, uh, I, I know that we could go back into the weight on Kevin Herter thing, but they're going to be so careful with him, and they're such a terrible team. I I don't really see a reason to to hang on and and see how this whole thing plays out. So someone else can deal with that nonsense. I, I think for our sake, we'll we'll go with Rondo. Uh, among, and we may actually come across some other guys that make even more sense as potential pickups, uh, but for this particular purpose, that is a move that I would make. You guys don't even have to ask the question. I'll preempt you with it. Um, a guy like a Josh Hart, you know, I know he's sitting around, dropped in some spots. I'd probably want him over Rajon Rondo. More minutes, different stat set by a lot. If you need assists, obviously you lean one way. Uh, we're seeing Pat Beverly get dropped in some leagues as well, which I think is surprising given he's been damn good and playing almost 30 minutes a game when he's been healthy uh, and just racking up these sort of off-kilter fantasy stats. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Guys getting itchy trigger fingers in fantasy leagues, and my best advice this time of year is to exercise some measure of patience, understanding that guys that are ranked in the 80 to 130 range, they're just going to flip-flop all the time. 
based on who's hot. Philly got blown, uh, blown out in Brooklyn. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm not into DeAndre Hunter. Somebody's asked me about that on Twitter. I don't, I don't like his fantasy game. Uh, Philly without Joel Embiid and with Matisse Thybulle leaving halfway through the ballgame with a stomach ailment just got blitzed by the Nets. Uh, Tobias Harris was decent. Horford, Simmons, I mean, they were fine, but they needed to be better than fine in this ballgame. Josh Richardson still figuring out how to work his way back from the uh, hamstring injury. He looks like, by the way, I don't think he's going to hit his ADP this year, but he is a buy low. He's outside the top 100 again, working his way back from this injury. He was just kind of starting to get things going beforehand. So you could probably get him for a reasonable price. Brooklyn side, uh, this is a blowout, so minutes were down. Uh, Dinwiddie was good. Joe Harris was efficient. Wilson Chandler made his season debut after the suspension, and he was fine in 19 minutes. I'm actually more curious what he's going to do to some of the other names on this team. Like, does he two minutes away from Torian Prince? Does he take minutes away from Garrett Temple? How does that actually shake itself out? Because I think, depending on how you, you slot it, I believe Torian Prince is the starting power forward on this team, and that's probably where Wilson Chandler is going to slot in as well. So that is a little bit of a threat, even if Chandler's not going to actually get over any kind of hump himself. DeAndre Jordan played well off the bench. He and Jared Allen somehow both continue to have fantasy value in the surprise twist of the uh, early going. And uh, Garrett Temple, still a good streamer, but that's about all we got from that one. The Knicks have played competitive basketball for the most part since the firing of David Fisdale. You'll see how long this new coaching bounce lasts. Julius Randle was actually not bad in this ballgame, which is something. Uh, Marcus Morris was decent. Mitchell Robinson played 25 minutes. He didn't do as much on a permanent basis, but you'll take the 25 minutes. And then R.J. Barrett, is, as uh, I believe he was the scissor last week with Josh Millman, continues to be more than droppable. Why that dude is 80% owned, it makes me think everybody's in a points league. His percentages are so bad. So bad. Meanwhile, Frank Nilakina actually played really well and uh, still lost the position battle to Alfred Payton 25 minutes to 23-ish. And that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, between the two of those guys, this does deserve, by the way, a brief pause so we can kind of go into it a little bit more. Nilakina is still the starter for now. Alfred Payton makes a lot more sense as the point guard for this team because he is he knows how to pass. He has rough percentages. He doesn't hit many three-pointers. But he'll get you a few points, rebounds, and assists well from the point guard spot. Uh, we'll get you some steals. Thing is, I mean, everybody's going goo-goo-gaga for Alfred Payton because his assists have been so high, but his stat set actually isn't that similar from someone like a Pat Beverly who actually hits more three-pointers than Alfred. So you've got this kind of situation away where everybody's chasing the next hot thing. The question really becomes how many assists do you think Payton can average if he's playing 25 to 27 minutes a game? The answer is probably in the 5 to 6 range, 11 is very much on the high side. Scoring is probably going to be around 10 to 12, like he had tonight, if that. Four and change rebounds, one would think. Maybe one to one and a half steals per game, and if he hits a three-pointer, you call that a win. That's a, that's a tough mark. He's got to keep the turnovers down. He has to make some free throws, and if he does, then he's inside the top 100. So I like him as a potential pickup as well. A uh, little bit more stashy, although it looks like he is startable at this point but understanding of course it's easy to get caught up in the counting stats and for him the the assist number gets high 
Sometimes he'll get you a few steals, but you have to always remember the holes in a fantasy game. And for him, field goal percent is a potential hole. Three-pointers is a potential hole. And if the turnovers get ugly, that would also be a potential hole. He managed to get 11 assists without a turnover in this ballgame. That's a big deal. So he's another guy that I think belongs on fantasy rosters just to see how it plays out, whatever the hell that means. Uh, On the Denver side, uh, no Paul Millsap again. They're being very careful with him, which is going to present me with an issue because I have Jeremy Grant on my 30-deep team, which is dominating right now. And I'd love to start him if he's going to be the starting power forward for the next week, but I haven't a clue what's going on with Millsap, so I think I'm a little bit stuck. Uh, Nikola Jokic has been much more aggressive over the last few games, really since Anthony Davis kind of punked him when the Lakers came to town and, uh, and beat him. When was that? Back on the third of the month, they went on the road and lost two of their, uh, three of their four road games, but Jokic started shooting the ball more and that's kind of translated into more success since they came home. Defensive stats have been very low. Uh, free throw, for whatever reason, is not really going in. But he's cruising now uh, right around the edge of the top 30 instead of closer to the edge of 35 to 38 range. So ever so gently, he's moving back into the mix. By the way, nice to see Gary Harris actually do something in this ballgame. Every once in a while, he shows signs of waking up, and maybe some of that is because Paul Millsap wasn't around and he could get a little bit more in the way of looks. But he has scored in double digits now in four consecutive ballgames. So make of that what you will. Uh, it still hasn't been very good. He's still sitting right around the top 150 because he's getting no defensive stats in a weird twist. Sacramento blew out the Warriors, um, but we'll take what we can from this ball game. Number one, um, Marvin Bagley only played 22 minutes but had 17, 6, and 2 I'm curious to see how the defensive stats shake out for him and free throw percent. We know that was an issue in the past. Uh, Nemanja Bjelica, 22 minutes, really bad line. I do think he's trending down pretty hard. And then Rashawn Holmes, who everybody has full-on slammed the panic button, had a very weird and uncharacteristic six turnovers in this uh, sloppy-ass basketball game, but managed nine points, five boards, two steals, and a block. Uh, without the six turnovers actually really isn't a bad basketball game with the three defensive stats and the uh, four for five shooting from the field. And more than anything, the 26 minutes, that's all you need to know about Rashawn. If he gets 26 minutes a game, he is a strong fantasy play. So buy him if somebody wants to give him to you for, I don't know, someone in that 75 to 100 range. Buy him for sure if somebody is starting to panic. For the Warriors, I've mentioned a thousand times at this point, but we'll do it a thousand and one. D'Angelo Russell, who had a bad ball game, you can trust. Draymond Green, who also had a bad ball game, you can trust when he's playing. Willie Cauley-Stein is the third name on the list of guys you can trust. He played 30 minutes in this one, which is actually high for him. Kevon Looney managed to get to 11, finally, and did nothing with it. Uh, Marquise Chris was very quiet in 10 and a half minutes. They're just bad, like real bad. Uh, Damian Lee played 34 minutes in this ballgame because uh, Kai Bowman, his his two-way contract is about to expire or some stupid crap. And then uh, Eric Pascal missed this game with a hip issue. Uh, I think Willie Cauley-Stein actually could end up excelling because it looks like, one, Draymond Green is not going to play in every ballgame going forward. Two, they don't want to play Kevon Looney much this year because they're tanking and why hurt him. You know, he's got a neuropathy going on. Why risk it? 
for no reason at all. And that basically leaves only one viable center that they want to run out there. Marquise Chris has played some center, but I think he actually fits a little better at power forward, believe it or not. Uh, and Willie Cauley-Stein is putting up defensive stats like crazy. He got dropped in a couple of leagues that I'm in, which which kind of boggled my mind because he's sitting right around the edge of the top 100, even with all those games early on where his minutes were ramping up. He, he's been far better than that over the last two to three weeks. Over the last month, he's actually number 80 in nine cat formats, largely because of field goal percent and defensive stats. Hell, if the rebounds ever were to trend up, which I don't know why they're in the sixes, he's a giant dude. It seems like he should be able to grab a couple more. If that number actually ever trends up a tiny bit, you're talking about top 75 upside on a team that's basically thrown in the towel. So I can dig it, and I think you should too. How we're only through 12 teams, I don't know. We'll pick up the pace a little bit here. San Antonio beat Phoenix in Mexico City in overtime. Uh, Patty Mills got hot. The floor spacer du jour. DeJounte Murray was the point guard du jour. He's the one of those two guys that you probably have to hang on to. I, I, Derek White is... Now that he's back off the bench, I think you you absolutely have to punt him to the curb. And Jakob Pertl off the bench, you can get rid of him as well. Phoenix, uh, no Devin Booker in this ballgame. Ricky Rubio was huge, so we know that's going to happen anytime Booker's out. Uh, Dario Scharch at 19-17 and 17 as they await the return of DeAndre Ayton. That is now coming... Uh, what are we at? Is that it? Is he back in their next one? It's either the next one or the one after that. I don't know. I should have written this down pre-podcast, but you guys can look it up. You're not going to... Not going to change your strategy very much at this point. Uh, Aaron Baines played 21 minutes off the bench. That might be what he's looking at when they get healthy. And then Frank Kaminsky is about to get, uh, well, smushed. <laughs> I don't I don't know that he's fast enough to play power forward. Sharich can move a little bit better. Uh, 17 rebounds for him, obviously, was a very high number. And there were 59 rebounds in this overtime game. So, uh, yeah, grain of salt. Brooklyn, we already talked about them. Toronto, uh, Marcus Soule has woken up. It was almost like he heard our Tuesday segment last week where I said I was about done with him. And Josh was like, don't give up yet. And I said, fine, whatever. I said, fine, he actually has looked a little bit better lately. And then he just exploded in this one over the weekend. 17-15, two assists, a steal, two blocks. His defensive stats are are crazy high over the last month uh, at 1.1 steals and 1.5 blocks. But overall, the other stuff is very sustainable. Seven rebounds, four assists. Uh, the free throw and field goal number are both really low. So even if that comes up a little bit, then you're talking about a guy that could actually kind of squeeze his way inside the top 50 all of a sudden. Um, so it's a good thing that Josh talked me out of giving up and Damn, it's a good thing to have guests on a podcast because I was basically ready to throw them away. And Josh said, don't do it, man. And I said, ugh, whatever. Serge Ibaka was better in this ballgame. 12-12 and 12 in uh, 21 minutes off the bench. Two steals, two blocks. Um, four for seven shooting, four for four at the free throw line. So he bought himself a tiny bit more time on my team. I called him a drop on Friday's show, but then I also said, well, you might as well just see how his next couple of games go uh, since I, I think he played... Didn't he have a back-to-back Friday, Saturday? Am I getting that right? No, I might have biffed that. It might have just been on Saturday. Uh, in any event, I think I said just give him one more game and see what happens. And then sure enough, he actually had a good ball game. So hanging on for dear life. Washington, Memphis. Uh, Brandon Clark was brilliant, and he is a must-own guy. Jaron Jackson Jr. was a solid, if unspectacular. 
Tyus Jones was quite good off the bench and kind of a blowout. Dylan Brooks has had a couple of hot ones in a row. John Morant, Jonas Valanciunas. You guys sort of know the deal with this team at this point, and we don't need to talk about them very much. Here's the ugly one of the night. Clippers lost in Chicago. Yeah, they were down uh, Lou Williams, Kawhi Leonard, and Pat Beverly, but you still kind of have to find a way to uh, to beat the Chicago Bulls. Paul George and Montrezl Harrell did everything they could, but it wasn't enough because they just, you know, three of the other guys that they count on weren't there, and nobody else really stepped up. Landry Shamit made his return, started, played 21 minutes, and hit three three-pointers. Uh, I don't think there's going to be enough meat on that bone. He only took five shots in 21 minutes, and that was without three of the shot takers on this team. More info, I guess, on the Chicago side. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. was very good. Chris Dunn looked great as his starting spot uh, continues, at least in my estimation, to seem solidified, even if his numbers are not all that juicy. He doesn't score much. You know, we don't hit many threes. His field goal percent is not that great considering he's not taking any threes anyway, but his defensive stats are crazy high. Four, two, and five, his last three ball games on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, we all have some need for that, don't we? We should. Larry Markkinen, uh, his resurgence continues, and then Denzel Valentine actually played pretty well off the bench. Um, the Bulls are, are screwing with the NBA now by listing everybody as probable with different ailments, so I wouldn't worry about too much. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky, quiet game, but still had three defensive stats, and he was basically one made three-pointer away from a decent basketball game, so hang on. Uh, the lead, I guess, that we kind of buried in this podcast is that Luka Doncic had a uh, pretty good ankle sprain in this game against Miami. They call it a moderate ankle sprain, and he's expected to miss uh, about two to three weeks. He's pretty tough, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him back towards the front end of that estimate. And Dallas almost, you know, injured, starred their way back into this basketball game, but Miami ultimately was able to win it in uh, in overtime. Let's take it one thing at a time. Number one, Jimmy Butler, he's cruising. Bam Adebayo, he's cruising with a triple-double. Still can't make his free throws, but whatever at this point. Kelly Olynyk is back into the picture again. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, Kendrick Nunn's been decent with uh, two of the other three or two of the other four guards hurt. And then Tyler Harrell was a little bit better in this ball game, but I generally don't trust him. Derek Jones Jr. has shown signs of life over his last couple of ball games, but I have to believe he, much like Olinick and Nunn and Herter, will all take a pretty good hit when this team gets healthy, particularly Justice Winslow, because that's a lot of small forward, power forward minutes. That, and that's right exactly where Jones is getting his stuff. He's a great short-term guy, huge hustle stats. He's just hammer-dunking from all over the place, but uh, th there's just not enough there for me to, to take the plunge. Duncan Robinson is still the guy I like. I know this wasn't a, an exactly a full stat line, but he played 36 minutes and took 10 shots, and I believe all of them, nine of them were three-pointers. He made three of them. You know, if he gets hot, that's five or six threes instead. Uh, I know he's a specialist, but if he's really going to hit three or four three-pointers a game, there's a usefulness to that. Yeah, threes are out there and they're easier to find, which also means you need a bunch of them to keep up. That's the flip side of that argument. Well, threes are easy to find. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to draft for them, but you do still need them. I sort of semi-ignored them a little bit and just figured they'd fall into my lap, and my teams are generally below average in that category this year. You have to go get them. 
Even if they're easier to find, you got to go find them. Less effort, but do it anyway. And Robinson, I mean, waiver wire pickup guy that can get it done for you. Meanwhile, on the Dallas side, with Doncic out for a couple of weeks, you got a few discussions that need to be had here. Number one, uh, Kristaps Porzingis is going to have to do a lot more, and he better learn how to make a shot. But he's owned in fantasy leagues. Tim Hardaway Jr. should have a pretty significant role while Doncic is out because he can go get his own shot a little bit. And then there's the discussion point. I know Maxi Kleba actually had a good ball game here, but he was wildly efficient in an, in an unsustainable way. So I'm going to ignore that. Uh, I don't care about Dwight Powell. The discussion I want to have is Delon Wright and Jalen Brunson. I'm not sure Delon Wright is healthy. He played eight minutes now coming back from injury in this ball game. Remember, he was dealing with some stuff. I think it was a hammy. Uh, so they'll ramp him up a little bit, which means in the very short term, Jalen Brunson is going to play a crap load. I bet he gets the start in their next ball game. So I think I'd pick up Brunson in the short term, and if Doncic is really back in two weeks, you might see like a week from now DeLon Wright start to get enough minutes to hit that point where he's useful, but it might just be enough to knock Jalen Brunson off. So if you can, I think you go Brunson here early. You can probably stream him safely, especially if you find out he's starting. And if we start to see the minutes tip a little bit towards DeLon Wright before Doncic comes back, then maybe you make that swap at that point. Cleveland's a mess. They lost in Milwaukee. Uh, Kevin Love, bad. Tristan Thompson, he's been trending down, but this was slightly better. Larry Nance also trending down, but this was okay. And generally, they're just not good. They're really not good. Dante DiVincenzo had a nice ball game from Milwaukee uh, with Eric Bledsoe out for a couple of weeks dealing with an avulsion fracture, so that's crummy. My old man uh, my old man Bledsoe shares have had a rocky year with injuries so far, but you got to hold on. I mean, if it's really just a couple of weeks, it's just sort of one of those seasons for him right now after he'd been pretty damn healthy for basically two full years in a row. He's just, you know, one of those years to this point. Uh, Robin Lopez had a big ball game here, but uh, that'll happen when you're when you're in a blowout. Um, DiVincenzo, probably a useful stream while Bledsoe's out. He's, he's been close to fantasy value even when they've been healthy, and uh, he just slots right in and kind of an everybody passes, no real point guard thing. I would have thought George Hill would have seen more than 22 minutes, but keep an eye on him as well. He, he's a guy that's been right on the edge of fantasy value in really limited minutes this year. And uh, if that trends up towards 24 or 25, he's probably inside the top 100 at that point. Oklahoma City at Denver. Good ball game, but the Thunder ultimately couldn't quite get over the hump. Chris Paul's been so good lately. That one is an old man share that is panning out much better. He's now number 18 in 9-cat, people. On a per-game basis, you guys want to know what his totals are in 9-cat? You guys want to know? You want to know? You want to know? 11. 11. And every day I think the injury's coming and it's going to ruin all my fun. Uh, but it hasn't yet. 1.7 turnovers for Paul. He's, he's back to his old tricks, man. Almost a 4 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. 1.7 steals, 1.5 threes, 45.5% from the field, 89 at the free throw line. He looks like the Chris Paul pre Houston with just a little bit less to do. Schroeder's been uh, decent lately. He's ramping up. Steven Adams looked much healthier, which, of course, has knocked Nerlens Noel back towards the edge of the top 100, but he's still a guy you definitely want on your fantasy team. And uh, we already talked about the Nuggets, so rolling right along. 
Uh, Andre Drummond, who played through his avocado eye. I'm not kidding, by the way. I'm assuming most of you guys heard this story already. But Andre Drummond had an allergic reaction to an avocado on the team's trip to uh, play their game in Mexico City. And it... I still can't believe that this is real life. And he had to sit out this one. So apparently the eye infection got a little bit worse. Blake Griffin also left this ballgame at halftime with a sore knee, the one that he's had work on. So things are weird in Detroit right now. I wouldn't look at this ballgame and say this is what we should expect going forward because I think Andre Drummond will be back in one, maybe two games max. So... That puts a little bit of a lid on Christian Wood because most of his minutes to this point have actually come at power or at, uh, at, excuse me, let me back this up. Thon Maker has actually played most of his minutes at center. Christian Wood has kind of bounced between center and power forward. I had to rewind my own brain there for a second. I've watched a lot of Pistons games because I have a lot of Andre Drummond's and a handful of Derek Rose's. Uh, and the one thing you notice is that Christian Wood sees his time for the most part when and kind of in between other players that is to say he'll come on and he'll see some uh some power forward minutes initially when Blake Griffin comes out of the ball game Drummond comes out for Thon Maker so he stays at power forward when Maker goes out if Drummond's not back in yet you might see Blake come back and push Wood up towards center briefly uh so with Blake Griffin probably going to miss a couple of ball games the first guy that actually gets a crack at it is Markeith Morris. That's an important note in all of this. I know we're all watching Christian Wood because he has this per-minute thing that he can do so well, and, and he does. You know, There's no denying that. But Markeith's going to get the start if Blake misses some time. Does that mean Markeith Morris is worth picking up and deploying? Eh, probably not. Uh, Derek Rose is going to have a much larger role with Blake Griffin out. We saw that earlier in the year. They needed him to run the offense uh, a lot. Luke Kennard is going to trend back up with Blake Griffin out for however long this is. Maybe it's a day. Maybe it's zero days. Maybe it's two weeks. Um, so those are the guys that get the big bumps is Drummond, Rose, Kennard. Remember, we saw this play the first two weeks of the year when Griffin was just resting to start the season. Uh, guys like Bruce Brown, Tony Snell, who had really big games against Houston, those are not guys you trust at this juncture. Nice win on the road, by the way, for a Detroit team that had nobody healthy. Uh, for Houston, I know everybody wants to jump off the Daniel House bandwagon, but look at this ballgame and tell me what exactly went wrong. He missed a free throw, which sucks, and he shot four for 11, which also isn't great, but he got seven rebounds. He got his steal. Again, I, I point you to if one more three-pointer goes in, it's 12-7 and seven with two threes and a steal, and you're like, oh, cool. But instead, because it was a nine in the points column, everybody wants to abandon ship. Don't abandon ship, people. Have a little bit of patience. He played 34 minutes. That's more than enough. Are you dropping P.J. Tucker because he had a bad ball game here? No, of course not. Chris Clemens got hot in this ball game. Russell Westbrook sat this one out, by the way, if you want to talk about Chris Clemens. So please, no, don't abandon Daniel House. Things are going to be fine. It just... It just takes time to settle in, and James Harden has been on one of his benders lately where he's taking uh, as many shots as he possibly can. Did anybody play on uh, Friday that didn't play over the weekend? A quick glance, and I believe the answer is Utah and Minnesota. 
And luckily, those teams don't require a ton of our analysis. Utah is an easy one. Joe Ingles is your streaming guy until Mike Conley comes back. And then with Minnesota, uh, Jeff Teague off the bench, vastly outplaying Jarrett Culver, who played 17 and a half minutes, had two rebounds, and missed all five of his shots. As I said before, he's a luxury stash with horrible percentages. And so you basically can't use him in a league that doesn't have unlimited games. And I don't move off of that position at all. And that, party people, is the reverse chronological lightning round for weekend number eight. Week nine begins today. Week nine. Can you believe that crap? That boggles the mind. We're, you just sort of you put your head down once the season starts. You just keep grinding, finding all the value and trying to make your trades and shore up your team and ROI and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you're like, what are we? We're a third of the way through, basically. Third of the way through the season. It's crazy. Positively nuts. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, again, if you want to be a contributor, hit me up at Dan Vespers on Twitter or write to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The other important thing to mention on today's podcast is Bruce Letter. The weekly newsletter from Aaron Brewski comes out today. This is your last chance to get on the list before you have to wait a full week for the next one. Because I'm dropping this podcast at like 2 in the morning Pacific time. And the newsletter comes out at like 7 Pacific time. So you've got basically a handful of hours from the time this podcast drops to get over to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter and sign up immediately. Everybody's got an email address. It's all you need. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Sign up with your name and email address. It's that simple. It's free. You will get the bruise letter every Monday the rest of the year as he breaks down life, the NBA, and all 30 fantasy teams throughout the uh, every week. Listen, we're at a point now where thousands of people are getting it, so if you're not, you're probably down a tool that someone else in your league likely has at this point. Again, the website is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Do it now. Monday night, what are we looking for? Tonight, Washington at Detroit. Isaiah Thomas was questionable for the Wizards' last ballgame, so we might actually see him back for this one. We'll be keeping an eye on his minutes and his role in particular. Uh, Mo Wagner sounds like he's not playing again, but I'm going to continue to sit on him. I, I do think his upside is worth the wait, given what we saw from him in only 18, 19 minutes a game uh, while coming off the bench. Detroit, we just talked about a second ago. You know, We'll, we'll get a timeline hopefully here soon on Blake Griffin. Um but the key here is that if he has to miss any time at all, the guards get the biggest bump. Andre Drummond will likely have more shots and more rebounds, and he'll just have to do more generally. So he also looked better with no Blake. But Derek Rose and Luke Kennard are going to be the guys that take the biggest single leaps with no Blake in the lineup, even more than a guy like Christian Wood, who I know we all want to see get over that hump. Uh, but he needs Marcus or Markeith Morris, I should say, to kind of get out of the way as well. Cleveland's horrible. Toronto, we're watching Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, uh, and then the health of Freddie Van Fleet. Chicago, Chris Dunn in the starting lineup has been interesting, especially from a defensive standpoint, but otherwise things are pretty well locked into place. Oklahoma City is an easy team to handicap these days. Spurs, maybe is this the turning point for DeJounte Murray? Hopefully. He's good in the last one. Houston, one of these games, man, Daniel House is going to break out for a big one, and you guys are going to regret bailing on my guy. 
Uh, ben McLemore has been a three-point streamer lately, and I, he probably can keep that up until, I would think, Eric Gordon comes back. But maybe uh, the health of Austin Rivers, and then if Westbrook obviously back for this one, perhaps someone now gets starts to kind of squeezed out a little bit. Miami at Memphis, I, I still like uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam, and Duncan Robinson as the three guys that should be owned in 12-team leagues, even over some of the flashier names. Kendrick Nunn, you can roster while other people are hurt, but that's basically all I trust in that one. And the Memphis side, uh, we have a pretty good feel for them as well. Dallas, again, post-Luka here for these uh, injury games. I think I'm leaning hard towards Jalen Brunson, but let's stay tuned to the news. Let's find out who's starting. That's going to be a big deal because you want to get somebody in there with decent players around them that can basically run the offense. This is a point guard-centric offense right now, so whoever's coming in is going to be doing a bunch of stuff. Milwaukee, uh, don't care that much, although uh, Dante DiVincenzo, if he, if he is really the guy filling in for Eric Bledsoe, could be good. Keep an eye on George Hill. We might finally have a reason to pay attention to Bucks basketball uh, if we get a little bit of a streamer. Portland, uh, Bazemore, Mello are the two guys we're watching. And then with Phoenix, uh, I think we're one game away from DeAndre Ayton, but I might actually be wrong on that one. Don't quote me on it. I try to make sure I got all my, my details straight before this thing. Uh, but this is one that I, I admit I, I didn't look up because I have no DeAndre Ayton, so I just figured somebody will tell me when he's uh, basically ready to go. And, and I know it's damn soon if not necessarily this one, then uh, I think it's the next one. So we'll uh, we'll we'll you know, that'll obviously pop up on the at Hoopball Fantasy timeline at some point, and then we'll see what goes on with the other centers out there when that does ultimately happen. Whether again it's this one or uh, if I'm off by a, a game or a game and a half or something like that. Uh, that's your podcast, by the way, everybody. That's our look ahead in terms of homework assignments. I don't know that there's anything you absolutely positively have to watch live. If we were going to pick one, I would say Dallas Milwaukee because you have a little something interesting developing on both sides of that ball game. Uh, and then with the other stuff, with, with most of the other games happening, we sort of know what we're expecting, and then we just want confirmation. But there isn't a whole lot of visual stuff with these things that is going to change the way we feel about it all that much. So uh, really just keep paying attention the way you always do and uh, keep listening to the podcast because we'll have these amazing guests the rest of the week, other hoop ball pros, Josh Millman, Brandon Marcus, Alan Soroki, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun this week again, as usual, please do, by the way, drop a five-star review on the podcast. If you have 90 seconds to do so, we appreciate those a great deal. The podcast app on your Apple branded mobile device or iTunes, or you're the person in the cubicle next to yours, iTunes, uh, whatever you can find to drop that review. We would love it. Thank you in advance. I am Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is a hoop ball presentation at Hoop Ball Fantasy. If you're not following them already, that's where you get all the breaking news on injuries, stat lines, replacements, etc. Again, hit me up for all those many reasons I've discussed. Last chance to get on the Bruise Letter mailing list before the edition goes out Monday morning. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.